health. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, as well as several other European authorities have ventured into, uh, I guess, what you could call unchartered territory of negative interest rates. How did this all happen and what does it mean? Well, that's why we have Marvin Lowe. He is the senior global market strategist for BNY Mellon, and he joins us now in the studio. Marvin, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So when someone asks you, how did we get here and what happens next, there's no real playbook for this, is there? No, no, there really isn't. I I think that um, we are in uncharted territory. Um, Up to now, it seems like the world and investors have taken a certain degree of comfort that the central bankers will get us out of this. I think we're starting to see that fray a little bit, Um, certainly the volatility over the course of the year. uh, And the fact that maybe some of these negative yields are not eliciting the type of response that the central bankers would have expected is starting to come out into the market. And um, you know, kind of plays into uh, whether or not uh, investors will continue to trust what our central bankers are doing. Um, in the worst case scenario, where would a steady drop in bond yields lead? We now have what more than $11 trillion worth of bonds around the world in negative territory. The ECB, of course, is buying more. It's focusing on corporates, but it all seems to, to feed. And of course, the Bank of Japan officially went to negative rates in January. They're having wrapping up their two-day meeting. They're not expected to buy more bonds yet, but if they don't do it now, they're supposed to do it in July. Where, what does this mean for the markets? Well, you know, you know, clearly, clearly it's difficult. Um, by going into this negative yield paradigm, um, the central bankers are hoping to elicit some sort of response, both from the business world as well as from consumers. And in fact, we've seen um, that there's a certain part of the world that might look at negative yields not necessarily as a positive, as a negative. So, But kind of scary. It, it is ultimately very scary. And, and I think it um, is playing into this commentary that's out there where we're going to have uh, a global slow growth type of environment that seems very difficult to break free of. Well, if you can't break free of it, you've still got to live through it. What are you telling your clients, your customers? How are you advising them about their money? Well, I mean, we all have to reset expectations, right? You know, certainly we've gone through decades of some of the best growth the world has seen, and there are certainly a number of factors that went into that, whether it was technology, whether it was um, a global decline in yields from a very, very high perspective. Certainly inflation came down over the last several decades. If we are in this lower inflation environment uh, with these yields, either low or negative, that are difficult to break out of this range, um, you've got to reset your expectations and plan accordingly, which, you know, in turn kind of promotes the concept of greater savings, if you will, which is not what the central bankers want. They want you to take that money and put it into the economy rather than in the bank. Certainly plenty of stories, much of an anecdotal of uh, large amounts of safe sales in Japan, the, you know, greater amount of 10,000 yen notes that are in circulation now than they were in any period over the last couple of decades. So, you know, there is that, that degree of hoarding uh, and concern out there. So let's take the other side, just for fun. Uh, Janet Yellen and said, I know it, it's a double negative. It's not impossible there could be a rate increase in July at the next meeting, because if the economy perks up and jobs look better, and I would add for her, and if the Brexit vote is to remain, you can imagine how global sentiment would shift at least some, right? Sure. What are the odds of that? And how do you, how do you position for that if you're a bond investor or a bond trader? Well, 
Um, so, you know, investing and trading certainly potentially could be two different things. Yes. Um, you know, traders are going to take the short-term view of that if they're comfortable one way or another with um, a large rebound in the non-farm report. If they're comfortable with a Remain versus a Brexit, you know, they can certainly take a bet. And it's kind of easy to look at which asset classes have been uh, the most negatively affected with kind of this recent type of um, uh, of concern in the market. When it comes from an investment perspective, um, 25 basis points, it's not really the biggest thing in the world, quite frankly. I mean, we as strategists, as traders, as analysts, we spend a lot of time um, wringing our hands over, is it going to be July? Is it going to be September? But in the grand scheme of things, going from this kind of 25 to 50 basis points to 50 to 75 basis points is not a deal breaker. All right, it's not a deal breaker. I want your thoughts on the European Central Bank and its corporate bond buying program and what you believe that will, what effect that will have. So, um, you know, it'll probably um, play out the way we've seen uh, the sovereign yield part of the world play out. <clears throat> um, those yields are negative. You know, uh, the, many of the headlines around the Bund getting into negative out to 10 years. And like you said, Kathleen, we've got 11 billion, 11 trillion, you know, remember the big figure here, 11 trillion in sovereign bonds around the world uh, that are negative. And that, in effect, has kept rates somewhat capped in the U.S. just because eventually the spread gets so wide that people are going to look at the USD and at our rates as a good alternative, particularly when um, you're looking at minus one basis points uh, in Germany in 10 years. If we, if we, we, we've seen the ECB get fairly aggressive in their, at least what they've announced so far in their corporate bond buying, uh, they are running out of assets. Uh, they're still dealing with slow growth. One would presume that they're going to remain aggressive on that front. And, you know, once again, it promotes the concept of lower yields making, making their way out here, despite the fact that the Fed is trying to put on a brave face. Okay. You've been in the bond market for a long time. Does this rally continue? Does the 10-year note in the U.S. break below 150? Does it hit 125? Does it keep going? And for that to happen, what would you have to see? I mean, I, I, I think I think the risk is definitely to uh, a lower yield continuing. Um, I think that there was certainly a note of caution that came out of the FOMC today, so we need to take that into effect. It was a note of caution despite the fact that they didn't um, change their economic projections too much. So they're concerned there. And then when we kind of get into the referendum vote, you know, all bets are off. Well, uh, I'm betting it's going to be an interesting eight days. Marvin Lowe, thank you so very much for joining us, senior global market strategist at BNY Mellon. In the wake of the Fed's dovish statement, the bond rally may continue, he says. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.